Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're talking about whether or not the Warriors can get the sixth seed. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News, uh, recording a live edition of Locked On Warriors here on the Locker Room app. Make sure that you are following and subscribe to Locked On Warriors wherever you get podcasts. Um, and I wanted to start, and thanks Malik for, for jumping on here right away. I want to start the conversation with this post I found on uh, the Warriors Reddit thread, uh, looking at how the Warriors could get the sixth seed in the Western Conference. And basically, it does some math and calculus and whatever and, fi- and, and, and comes to the idea of or comes to the conclusion that in order for the Warriors to get the sixth seed, which would be important to avoid the play in tournament, uh, the, the Trailblazers would have to the, – the Trailblazers who are currently in the sixth seed would have to finish the year six and nine. The Mavericks would have to finish the year eight and eight. The Grizzlies would have to finish nine and seven. The Spurs would have to finish eight and eight. And the Warriors would have to finish – the year ten and four. Now that's that's going to be difficult. Ten and four. I think the Warriors can win eight or nine games, and that might be realistic if not pushing it and not falling into sort of prisoner of the moment of this win streak. But if we believe that whatever the Warriors have found in Steph Curry doing what it is that he is doing, uh, having Kevon Looney in the starting lineup, Kelly Oubre moving to a bench role, and all those things, do we think like are we really starting to believe? that the Warriors could end up with the sixth seed. What do we think about that? I can see a possible, but I feel like there's been so many games tricked off this year of just silly fouls, dumb plays for, like, maybe the bench will show up. Maybe, because we've seen Steph had, like, against the Celtics, he had almost 50 points again, but they lost off of one last play. So I feel like that could happen and cause us cause them not to make the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. No, the, the close losses have been a problem. Actually, look, I haven't looked at the stats all of that recently, but I, I believe the Warriors are actually – they actually have a winning record in clutch games, but you're right. I mean, those those sort of losses do hurt. Um, and I think also what, what hurts is the fact that uh, that that the Mavericks are pretty pretty good, you know, and for them to finish off the year 8-8, eight and eight, uh, that would be pretty tough. And I think that's one of the one of the Warriors' stiffest competition. Not not and not only that, but the Blazers are going to get Damian Lillard healthy again and stuff like that. So I don't know that we can even expect them to finish the year six and nine. But uh, just that, like, just the Warriors having to take care of their own business. Let's look at this. I mean, Washington Washington tonight. You better win that game, especially after you just lost to them. I mean, you can't lose to the Wizards. If you lose to the Wizards tonight, just forget it. I'm, I'm like I'm done. But so, uh, <laughs> Denver on Friday. They beat them already. They're without Jamal Murray. I don't know if we can really expect them even without Jamal Murray to win again, but who knows? It's still a winnable game. Sunday in, uh, against Sacramento, that should be a win. Dallas is going to be a tough one. Uh, you play Dallas at home on Tuesday, April 27th. And then you get a nice little run with Minnesota and Houston. Those are two winnable. Should you have to win games. like Those, those teams suck. Uh, and then you've got New Orleans back-to-back in New Orleans. I mean, that one... It's not easy, right? You're traveling to New Orleans for a back-to-back. You can't just – the Pelicans are fine. They're not bad. They're not great. But to, to you know, win a split – to, to, to win a series um, on the road in a back-to-back, that's a tough situation. And then you get Oklahoma City twice. 
those should be wins regardless. And then Utah, that's going to be a tough game. You, you could probably pencil that in for a loss. Phoenix, you could pencil that in for a loss. Then New Orleans again, and then you finish the year in Mem- or, or against Memphis. Now, you do have a six-game homestand to end the year, but how many of those games do you really think they're going to win? You know, I, I, like I said, I think eight or nine, eight or nine wins is realistic. Especially, that's a lot. That's a lot on like the team's back. Like really, believe. Like I love our team's chances, but it's just that's so much that has to go right. And all I'm saying is, first off, from the jump, if we play the when we're playing the Mavericks, keep K's, Ken Bazemore all the way away from Luka Doncic. <laughs> keep that man away from him because I, I already know just how Baze plays. This is too risky. There's a, there's going to be some little ticky tacky stuff. that's just like Baze, we didn't need that. That's one of those games where you have Andrew Wiggins slot. Okay, on the so you guys, do you guys remember like the the, the closing? Uh, we had a closing lineup. Do you guys remember our closing lineup against the Sixers? Because Kent Bazemore was not on there. No. Because we had no. Damian Lee, we had Steph, Draymond, Loon, who else is our and Wiggins? Damian Lee, close. I think he's actually not bad. Yeah, he's he's. So not Damian Lee's have sold up the last few days. He's really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Bazemore is going to be in a closing lineup anymore. Like moving forward, it's a, I mean, it's I think it, sixty games, but hey, we got there. It feels like Steve Kerr is is still sort of just playing it by ear. But the guys that he tends to to trust are are Damian Lee and Jordan Poole at the end of games, to a certain respect. Uh, Kelly Oubre, kind of, it's like you know, does he play well? Does he not play well? Same thing with Kent Bazemore. And Juan Toscano Anderson, I mean, if he comes back within the next three or four games, he's the guy who can close games for you, too. Yeah, like nah, I think that's the Warriors' best closing lineup is, is – uh, What's the, what's the, what's the update game. on Juan? Juan always makes the right play. Uh, that's why I really appreciate that one. The latest on Juan is that he's still in the concussion protocol, and, on, and we haven't heard anything about that. But he's with the team, which is a good sign. He's on the sideline, which is a good sign. He's in the meetings, which is a good sign. Uh, and usually these things take about three or four games – you know, players are out for about three or four games. The The thing with, with Juan right now, though, is that the Warriors haven't practiced all week, and they didn't have shoot-around this morning. So I don't I don't know if there's some sort of separate thing that Juan is going through, if he's showing up uh, with the medical staff or, or whatever, or how it works on the road because they're on the road right now, um, if he's even being checked on. You know, I, I don't know because they're not doing these practices or shoot-arounds all week. So, we'll see. He, I, I don't anticipate him playing tonight or uh, well, he's already been ruled out for tonight but I don't anticipate him playing the first game back, but maybe the second game back. I really want to see how he That's a guess. Or sorry, not the Oakland crowd but the Chase Center crowd. <laughs> I think uh, so, yeah. If the Warriors do like like they strike going make the six seed, would they still keep their own pick? No, no, no. Wait, because that's top twenty protected. Yeah, they would yeah. have it. That's why I'm. No. That's why I, I don't want that. I want the pick this year. I feel like it actually is kind of valuable in this year's draft to have a pick that could probably net you. Maybe if you're really lucky, uh, a Davian Mitchell, some guy like at least a player who can be in your rotation. I feel like that pick is worth. No, I think that pick is. I think it's that's actually a really interesting conversation. Do you even want the six seed at this point? Because uh, because you want that that lottery pick. Uh, you know, if you end up with the Minnesota pick and the lottery pick, that could be really useful. That you can possibly even move up. You know, in the draft, uh, if it's not a lottery pick, as long as it falls within the top, you know, fifteen to nineteen, you're still fine. Um, 
or 15 to 20, you're still fine. So, uh, yeah, you could probably get a useful player out of that. If I'm, I, But I don't think you want two rookies added to this team if you're the Warriors. So I don't know that you would care about it all that much. Not that you can, I think it's that you can count on the message. You know, that's actually it's for a trade package at that point in time. Having two picks and Wiseman, that would just be further adding on to that. It's, yeah. it's like package not a trade also. package, but actually to build up that point of like uh, not wanting two rookies. I mean, last year we saw them. They didn't want to devote a roster spot to a late second rounder, so they drafted a guy who was going to play overseas. Right. I could, I could see them just going, okay, we can only really, we only want one rookie, so why not just trade up for a guy we really like if we get two picks? And that's, but that's assuming that the team in front of them wants, you know, the, the 18th pick in the draft and the fourth pick in the draft and doesn't want Jalen Suggs at number three or Evan Mobley at number three or whoever it is uh, and would rather trade down. So um, I think it, but if I think best case scenario, right, is if the Warriors would toe the line between, hey, make this play in tournament, maybe you win it, maybe you get into a first round series, and then you're fine, you still keep your pick, or and then and then you keep the pick, then the Minnesota pick conveys at four or five or six or wherever it ends up, and then, um, and then you have both of those picks, and then you could package those together for some sort of trade and get you know a difference maker that you've been looking for. And then you still get that playoff experience that this team needs. And I asked Steve Kerr about that going into last game, into that Philadelphia game, about the importance of that. And it's something that I've uh, – of getting that playoff experience. It's been something that I've been talking about for, for months now is that this idea that the Warriors should just tank this season never made sense to me. Because if you want to, you know, sort of trampoline to title contention next year, you want that foundation of playoff experience. You want to get a guy like Jordan Poole who figures to be a rotation piece going forward. Even Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, if he sticks around, like those guys don't have playoff experience. You want a real playoff experience. You want to get them that kind of experience so that they're that that they can have that going into next year when you're trying to get not just to the playoffs but through the playoffs, right? Like that experience is really going to matter. I don't think that's something that has been totally uh, uh, appreciated by some of the people who are like pro tank. If you really want to tank, whatever. If you just want to load up for a title run in 2027, be my guest, but. Uh, to really win a title next year and make the most out of Steph's prime, that's not going to be tanking this your own pick this year. Uh, that's what the Minnesota pick is for, yeah. and you got to make the playoffs this year. It's time for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and in sports, if you think joy only happens when you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and not just the end game. It's the whole game. And, today, and this week's player of the week is Steph Curry. It has to be, right? I mean, this guy is on an absolute tear. And the great thing with Steph is you can tell how much he enjoys it. The shimmies after the three-pointers. After the game in Philadelphia, he told reporters, I'm having a blast out there. Steph Curry is the embodiment of playing with joy. That is joy. Michelob Ultra, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in my refrigerator right now. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st. Speaking of Oubre, uh, is he expected to start today? And if he isn't, is he just going to be on the bench for like the rest of the season? Because I would love if that was the case. Steve Kerr said that they will continue to use Kent Bazemore in the starting lineup and bring Oubre off the bench uh, 
until it doesn't make any sense anymore. And right now it makes sense. And now Ubre, I believe his plus minus is actually better than Bazemore's in the last game, but I, that's not going to do enough to, to warrant Ubre going back into the starting lineup, I don't think. And the fact that Steve has already had conversations with Ubre about, hey, we need you coming off the bench is a is a good sign that, that this is probably the default stance uh, that Kerr is going to take going forward is that Ubre is going to come off the bench and anchor that second unit that has been pretty good for them recently. So I have a, I have a question. Oh, sorry about that, Wes. Um, Go ahead. Uh, so the first question, all right, let's say we do combine those the package deals for the um, for the draft picks. Who would be the targets, and is it worth it? And then two, uh, what if Ubre just walks? What is our alternative? So to me, this is a three-person draft at the top of the draft for the Warriors, where most, you know, generally speaking, it's a five-man draft, right? Um, it's it's Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, in some sort of order. Who Cade Cunningham usually being number one uh, for the Warriors, I think it's a three-person draft. Uh, it's it's Cade Cunningham, who you're probably not getting him because he's going number one, and I don't think that whoever ends up with number one is going to trade back because he's such a sure blue chip thing. Um. Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green. I don't think that the team has a, a need or a desire to draft Evan Mobley and add to, you know, the what, what do you do with him and Wiseman at that point? And I don't think that the team has uh, any interest in Jonathan Kaminga because he's got a really high ceiling, as high as anybody in this draft, but he's as raw as anybody else in that top five. And I just think it's you can't deal with him and James Wiseman trying to get both of them minutes in a title year, right, if you're trying to win a championship. It's just too much. But I think guys like Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, those guys can help you right away. I think Jalen Suggs could be a rotation player, like ramped up Tyler uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton type guy. Like he can help you right right now on both sides of the ball. And then Jalen Green is, is still kind of raw. There's questions about his decision making and his shot selection and stuff like that. But he can he can get you a bucket right now in the, on the NBA level. So he can at least do something for you as far as you know a bench piece that can score. Uh, so I think it would be those three guys. Uh, and then outside of that, you know. Everybody will say outside the top five, it, it's sort of a crapshoot. Like any anybody from six to twelve can kind of go in any order right now. Is how most you know scouts and draft experts are looking at this draft. You know, there's some guys out there. I don't I don't really want to do a whole draft thing right now. I'm not prepared, but um, those would be the three guys to me if I'm the Warriors. And if you if you could get Suggs at the top, that's a home run to me. Like that would be the guy that I'm I'm circling. If not Cunningham, which is very very unlikely, I'm get I'm I'm circling. Uh, Suggs, that's my guy because he again he can walk in right now and be a factor for you on offense and he can be a factor for you on defense and he can help you right away I think and and that's the sort of rookie that the Warriors need especially given that James Wiseman is going to lose basically his whole offseason rehabbing from this knee thing so um, you want to if you're going to add a rookie to this rotation he better be somebody who can play right away and not be so raw the way that James Wiseman was where you're struggling with him on the court. And what is your uh, opinion on what direction they're headed west? Like in terms of obviously the setback that Wiseman had, right? And as you said, having more rookies on this team, I even if it is sucks, honestly, I'm not sure if that's the best use of Steph's, you know, uh, timeline with Clay. Uh, what direction do you think they're kind of heading in? Do you think they want to keep Wiseman, or do you think they're willing to, you know, just go for it in the off season if the opportunity presents itself? Hey Wes, before you answer that question, uh, so Steph was on a uh, Steph was I don't know if you guys seen it yet. Steph is on Rex Chapman's podcast. Did you guys see it? No. Yeah, I did. And he said he's yeah. the MVP, right? And he was like, and he said, it's like, hey, do you think you're the MVP? It's like I gotta be. Love it. <laughs> Love it, Steph. 
Good, good. I don't know what else he's supposed to say in that situation, but good for him. It's, need, like, I don't think I don't, like, window, I've, actually, never heard um, say, West. I've never heard Steph say that. He's always kind of like deferring, even in his MVP. No, he season. said he's probably not going to win it also. He said that. Um, yeah. But he said whatever. But I do want to say one more really quick thing, going back to the previous point uh, that you're talking about in terms of do the Warriors even want their own uh, pick next year. And the thing is, and Wes, maybe you can add on to this, but I think the only hope that Steph, because he's a realistic MVP candidate, but the only way he has any chance of winning it is if the Warriors get maybe the fifth seed, right? Which there's six games out, I think. So I'm not sure how mm-hmm. realistic that is, but a sixth seed might get him in that conversation. And do you think that's also something that they care about? And do you think that's something they should pursue also? This- that's another, yeah. So the sixth seed, there's precedent for that, right? Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. won MVP as a sixth seed. So a, an MVP has come from a sixth seed that we've, we've seen this recently within the last half decade. So I think if Steph, if the Warriors were to get the sixth seed, that's when you start talking about Steph as the MVP. And look, I, I've written this and I've said this, and, and it sounds like Steph Curry even just said this on Rex Chapman's podcast. He's probably not going to win based on the fact of where the Warriors are in the standings. But I would say that if, if, the Warriors avoid this play-in tournament. We really, we, we have to have a real conversation about Steph winning the MVP. And I would even go so far as to say, if they end up with the eight or seventh seed, if they end up with a real playoff seed, again, I don't think it's enough for him to win it over Jokic and Embiid because Jokic and Embiid are really deserving. This is not a weak MVP class, right? Like those guys are are both equally deserving, very deserving um, of the award, but. If Steph lifts this Warriors team into the playoffs and he's on this sort of run that is going to be so fresh in the voters' minds, we're going to have to have a real conversation about whether or not we – we look, we have the precedent of a sixth seed winning the MVP. Can we talk about a guy on a seventh seed winning the MVP, an eighth seed winning the MVP? I think it's worth having that conversation. My only concern with it would be uh, does it happen so late that most voters have already made up their mind, right? Uh Fortunately for the Warriors, Steph is doing this with a lot of eyeballs on him. And you're getting a lot of national TV games right now. So that could help his case with voters. The recency could help, even if the lateness maybe does hurt for some voters who have already made up their minds. But from people who I talk to, I don't know that voters' minds have been made up, even between Jokic and Embiid, right? Like you get a lot of people waffling between those two. And so uh, there might be enough uncertainty out there for Steph to capitalize, where guys are like, hey, I don't know which center I want to vote for MVP, Jokic or Embiid. Let me split the difference and vote for Steph. Like that's, there is a possibility that that, and that would be to me the route uh, of Steph winning MVP is the Warriors getting the sixth seed or maybe even the seventh seed. And then, and then voters just being like, you know what? Steph's been really good and he's been really good at the most important part of the season. Let's give it to him. I don't yeah, think it's out of the question. I think he's very close to 50-40-90 and a scoring title. On he, he's 1% off from 50-40-90. Right, exactly. and a scoring title, right, Ryan, right? right? Um, yeah. So that's just like a lot is, you know, uncertainty is there. And that's why I'm thinking, yes, on one on one hand, we want to keep our own first-round pick next year. And, and and on the other hand, like if we're the sixth year, we're probably going to face the Clippers in the first round, um, which might not be too great. Um but on the other hand, like there's a real chance that you know some traction could be made in terms of Steph for MVP, uh, with all everything going around him with the scoring title and 50, 40, 90. I mean, so a lot of decisions right there if they want to <laughs> go for it. Well, I don't know how much of a decision it is, right? I mean, this is a team that right now Steph is playing this way, and they they have a belief that they can win all of these games, and they should, right? You just beat 
the best team in the league in the Sixers, arguably, coming off a nice win in Boston and stuff like that. I mean, this is this is a team with a lot of confidence right now. Like, if they they're going to go for it every single night, and and I think actually this the Seventy Sixers game was. I'm sorry, I said they won the Boston game. They didn't, but I think coming off of that Boston game, the, the way that they lost that game, and then beating Philadelphia was a big difference to me versus what this team used to be. I think that Boston loss could have basically derailed this team earlier in the year. It didn't, right? They came out mm-hmm. and they played well and they beat a better team in the Sixers, even without Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. I still think that Sixers team is better than that Boston team. So, uh, look, we'll see, right? Um, but but for now, they're playing with confidence and, and they're going to try. They're going to just try to win every time they're on the floor. Uh, I look the six seed to me is still very unrealistic. A lot of things just have to go right, and a lot of teams have to basically completely crumble. But Jason Quick had a piece in the Athletic talking about how things are a little iffy right now in Portland. Like it's not out of the question that they just fall out of this thing. Uh, so the teams I'd be looking for are these these other teams that that we're talking about, like Dallas and these other guys, they need to they need to fall in a way. But uh, we'll see. You know, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it'll take the six seed. If you can, it'll take the six seed to avoid the play-in tournament. But if you even end up in the seven-eight game, that's much better than being in the nine-ten game. Because in the seven-eight game, you just have to win once. In the seven-eight game, you have to win twice. That to me should be. If we're talking about realistic goals, if you get the six seed, great, you take it. Like at at some point, you don't have, you don't start thinking about advanced calculus and whether or not you know you end up with this pick and because it's protected here or whatever. Sometimes you just got to go out and win, and that does so much for building a culture that I thought was eroding a little bit up until this run, like you just need to go out and win the games. And if you can get the six seed, great. Awesome. You have so much confidence. And we saw last year what that did for Phoenix, even though they missed the playoffs, just going on a run at the end of the regular season, even in the bubble, how much confidence that they, that gave that team, they get a big addition in Chris Paul. And then they go on a run and have the league's best record uh, through certain points of the season. Uh, and, and they're certainly one of the best teams right now. The same thing can happen with the Warriors. If you go on a run, uh, a strong run here, do make some noise in the playing tournament or whatever, and then you get your big addition in Clay Thompson this offseason. Now you have the confidence to make that kind of run that you're hoping to make next year. Support for today's episode comes from Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good and it's good for you. Built Bar is great for health conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great if you're on the keto diet or other low carb diets. And they have nine different flavors available now and just brought back Coconut Brownie Chunk for a limited time. And they're always creating and releasing new exciting flavors. Built Bar has been with us for a long time. And I've been eating Built Bars for a long time, usually in the late afternoon between lunch and dinner. It's a good way to give me the boost I need to finish up work. And like I said, Built Bar has been friends of the show for almost a year now. And we appreciate the partnership that we've built. So support the show by supporting those who support us. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Support for today's episode comes from BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is making the playoff push, and the NHL season and Major League Baseball are in full swing. BetOnline covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV as well. Real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfor, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars for their team. Search The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports podcast music and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. If if the Warriors do lose their pick though, don't they run to the Steffian rule and are kind of screwed for like future trades? If they lose which pick? The the, the top twenty protected one, the Thunder pick. Um well no, because if, if if it ends up outside the top twenty, it conveys into a second rounder. So if they so either way they're not they either way if they lose it or keep it, you've already traded it technically. So then I think okay, in, so. So Wes, I'd have to look that up. That's a good question. So, so okay. Wes, what you're trying to say is that there's value in chasing wins. <laughs> it turns out, who knew? It turns uh, out that one. I think oh, Steve Kerr. Yeah, I, I, I think he would like to take that quote back. It's a you take that quote. It was, that was a terrible quote. That we're gonna. Steve Kerr is- comes off the bench. You think Clay comes off the bench or? Next year, no, he'll he'll minutes. he'll start. He's not he'll, the back games. Yep. He'll, he'll start. He'll probably start right away. Would be my uh, my guess. Even it, just so that you can sort of get that groove of. Even if he comes out like midway through the first, right, and you're sort of managing his minutes that way. If he comes out at like the five or six minute mark of the first quarter, at least you're starting that lineup, and then you've got whatever it is that the rotation looks like next year. It's just sort of in a groove. And somebody asked me earlier, like, what happens with Kelly Oubre? Uh, this offseason, I think a lot of it depends. This is, to me, a little bit of an experiment for them. You know, it's this big question hovering over their head is, would Kelly Oubre be happy taking a bench role and would if he, and, and how that factors into re-signing him this offseason? Well, yeah. let's see, right? Like over these next 14 games, it's going to be 15 games total for Oubre. Over the final 15 games of the year, he's going to be coming off the bench, presumably. Let's see how happy he is. Let's see how he responds to that, right? And, and if he responds well and he's happy in that role and the Warriors are winning and they get into the playoffs and they come over to the offseason and they say, hey, that wasn't so bad, was it, Kelly? He's like, you know what? No, you're right. I'll do it again. I'll resign. Or if he's like, hey, that was a fun time, but I want to go start somewhere and get paid $20 million somewhere else to do that. They're like, all right, cool. That was a good time. Thanks for everything you did here. And that's it. So I think as much as you're talking, as much as the Warriors are talking about how this is Kent Bazemore playing well in that starting lineup and Kelly Oubre, you know, right. being the all-important anchor of the second unit. To me, it's even bigger than that. To me, it is, let's see how he responds to coming off the bench and if we, if we even want to try to re-sign this guy this offseason. Exactly, because I think it's a it's a wing-driven league, man. You still need, like, I understand, like, our people were like, all right, we could do without Oubre. All right, that's fine. But now we only have Wiggins as, like, a really good, above-average yeah. perimeter defender, bro. Like, who else you going? Who else you going to throw? Let's say we have the versatility monster. Who else are you going to throw on Jalen Brown now? You threw Wiggins at Tatum. Like we're not we're not asking Clay to guard anyone elite anymore, bro. Like I feel like that's out of the question. I think he needs to just focus on being a number two option, getting his legs back and stuff like that. But like if you can find a, someone to replace Uber, that's fine. I could do that. But like I don't want just like this uh this uh, mantle that and not have nothing, and then we just have shooters that can't play defense. Well, if you resign him, you can always trade him down the line, right? Just because you resign him, just because you resign him, doesn't mean that you're stuck with Kelly Oubre for three or four years. Like that's that's True. a valuable, it's it's as valuable as anything else. Just like the D'Angelo Russell thing, obviously a little bit more complicated in the case of D'Lo, but 
if you re-sign Ubre, you've now got a $15 million contract, let's call it, that mm-hmm. you can use to make other moves. That's huge, right? That's huge. Right. Yeah. And I think I it also has to how much are you willing to bet on Kelly Oubre being a good player on a good team next year? Like, if you choose to resign, say it's like, okay, Kelly, we will pay you like a little more than any other team will give you like an $18 million contract. You might start a bit in case Clay needs to rest or whatever. And he's willing to sign it. And you're realistically going, okay, we're probably going to trade him at some point. You do also need to make the consideration in your mind. Like, okay, can he work? Is he even a trade piece that teams are going to look for? Because I'm assuming you're not going to get a sign and trade for him either. Right. I don't, and there's been a lot of talk about sign and trades for Kelly Oubre. I just don't see another team doing that. I don't think that another team just hard caps themselves, even though if the Warriors, they could do that and take back a player, it wouldn't affect their hard cap. But I don't see another team hard capping themselves for Kelly Oubre. As good as and fun as Kelly Oubre is, like that's not a hard, that's not a player you hard cap yourself for. If, and if you're an organization hard capping yourself for Kelly Oubre, I've got questions for you. You know, like I've got concerns for that front office. But um, I think that there, like I said, there's a lot of value. In keeping, and if you keep Oubre around and you bring him off the bench, you know, that's a, the one thing you could say about Kelly Oubre. Uh, he is erratic. That shot isn't great. He misses more layups than any other player at his size than I've ever seen play. But he, he plays hard every single night, and that's a real skill. And that's something that you can use off of your bench. And, uh, and I think there's value there in keeping him around. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's what that's, – that best case scenario is that, that that's what they do. And, by the way, this, this franchise was just valued at, like, $5.1 billion. They can afford it. I don't care if you didn't have fans for most of the season. You can afford it now. I'm not worried about the money. Um. Is, All right, let's get. Some, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask: Is Steph going to sign that extension this off season, or is he going to push it off till next year? I think he'll sign it this off season. Okay, that's just my guess. I, there's no reason for him not to, and it's one thing to play a year. It, it's one thing to play this year when you still have next year under contract. It's a whole other thing when you have your free agency looming. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like the Warriors have experience dealing with a star player in a free agent year, right? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> not that not that he would be any bit the re- distraction that Durant was and all of that, but there is a I think that there's a organizational value in let's just sign the damn thing and move on with our lives and not have to worry about this because even if Steph nobody expects Steph to leave and by the way, I don't think that they should take Steph for granted. however, nobody expects Steph to leave in the way that everybody expected KD to leave uh, they'll still get questions from reporters. Steph, what do you think about your plans this offseason? Whatever money he leaves on the table, and we don't even know, but whatever money he leaves on the table by signing the extension this summer instead of re-signing next year would be worth it just to avoid those questions all year. What's the extension mm-hmm. that's on the table for him? I don't think it's a five-year. It's like 200 on. It's, it's, it's four years on top of next year, so it, it would keep him around for five more years after signing the paperwork. But it's yeah, technically I know, it's, I know it's one of the mega maxes where it's going to be fifty million a year. Yeah, he'd be making fifty million a year. He'd be the highest paid player in the league again. That'd be kind of cool if Steph set that right, record. Yeah. And he deserves that too. So Wes, I got a question for you. So it's it it has to do with do you think like what is it going to take for God mode? Do you think that that is attractive to to the players like coming to the Warriors? 
So you cut out there a little bit in the middle of your question. You said, what is it going to take for what? It's like, what is it going it, what is it going to take for, you know, good veterans players to come actually play for the Warriors? It's like, mm. is it attractive Not- that the fact that like, they see what Steph is doing right now and they're like, yo, I want to play with that guy. Uh, it will take the Warriors winning a championship again. That In the history of the league, I don't care if what how good you're playing, what kind of caliber player you are, you need to be a team with legit championship credentials in order to get those guys. And we've seen it time and time again. Even, like, look at LeBron with Anthony Davis going into last year. They couldn't get anybody to sign there going into b- b- the, the year before they won the championship. They, couldn't got, they could not get anybody to sign there, right? Like, the guys they got were, like, Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard, and nobody wanted those guys. Like, that's not – those weren't, like, signings. People were like, oh, man, <laughs> wish we could have gotten them. Like, nobody wanted them back then. Well, like, what so, about Jay Crowder? Like, what, what, what was his decision to go to Phoenix? Like, was it a contract? Oh, he got the money, man. I mean, Miami oh, was able to offer right, him yeah. that kind of money. I mean, he just he got he got the money. Um, okay. Yeah, he had a great playoff run and 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 found and found the money and and been a nice piece for Phoenix. He was a great piece for the my for the Heat. You know, they just couldn't keep him around. Um, no, I think it takes just like with those Lakers. You saw like LeBron and Anthony Davis. They go win a championship. All of a sudden, Marcus All wants to sign there, right? Um, with the Warriors, it'll be it'll be just like everybody else. Hey, let's keep an eye at what they're doing. Right. If, I, if I'm going to be a free agent in 2022, I'm going to keep an eye on what's going on over there. And if, you know, if they're in the finals, win the finals, if they're a bona fide finals contender, and it looks like they're here to stay. Then, yeah, you're going to start getting those those ring chasers back. But and look, there's I, I love I love ring chasers. I think there's a lot of value in ring chasers. They, they're veterans. They know how to play. They know how to play in the playoffs for the most part uh, when you're talking about them generally. But um, you're probably a couple of years away from getting them. And uh, Wes, I have a quick question for you. Um, So we were just speaking a little bit about um, Kelly and the importance of re-signing him, right? Um, Do you you see a situation where the Warriors say, hey, we're going to give you $18 million. You know, that's kind of around what you want. Okay, let's say he doesn't get any better offers. And they say, we're going to also let you start for a good amount of the season. Just because in that situation, when Clay's coming back, he might want shorter minutes. He's obviously going to close, but say... We'll give you the starting role. And Kelly says, okay, I have my money locked in. And, um, you know, I have the starting role for a good amount of the season. And then come next trade deadline, right? Then you don't even need to give up Wiggins at that point in any big trade. Because that $18 million, along with Wiseman's contract, he's making $8 million. I think he's going to make ten next year. That almost adds up to a max contract right there. And mm-hmm. in that regard, you can keep Wiggins because we only have to suffer through that contract for around two more years, right? Then sign him to a more reasonable deal. And that way we keep our wing player with the defense that Clay used to have. And you get a, another max player with that. Um, isn't the, there value the issue, in that? Oh, I was going to say the issue there. Sorry to interject, but I don't think the salaries match up exactly, especially with this league where the salary cap is going up so the contracts are inflated. Like twenty eight million is no longer really a max guy anymore, especially the type of player we're. Uh, well, I mean, okay, you add Eric Pascal to that. That's twenty nine point five million. Okay, that's we think, can make that happen. And also, like, I'm just gonna go with the Beal trade because that feels realistic. If you're keeping Wiggins and trading for Beal, what is your roster gonna look like? Like, you're gonna be starting Draymond at the five if that's your team. I'm assuming. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But um, I, I, 
it, it's it, that's the kind of thing that you worry about later, right? You don't not trade for Bradley Beal right. because you have Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just you bring Andrew Wiggins off the bench and you say, hey, deal with it. You're getting paid thirty million dollars. Be happy. Um, I, I I will say this. Uh, I think. I think we've seen teams in the past. You've seen Atlanta do it, right, with the guys that they've signed, like Danilo Gallinari. You get you sign players to contracts even if they don't fit, just so you have the contract, so that you can because you're not going to have the money later, so you get the contracts now that you could trade, right? In, in the case of the Hawks, they had a bunch of extent, rookie scale extensions coming up, and they were never going to have the cap space they did this last year, so they go out and sign all these guys, Rajon Rondo, Gallinari, etc. Uh, so that they have big contracts that they can make and uh, that they can move in deals when they're trying to put the real roster together. Uh, you saw, again, to use the Lakers as an example, we always joke about Contavious Caldwell-Pope getting paid $15 million a year. There's a reason why. It's because you get a player with that kind of salary, you can stack it and, and go get a really good player. For the Warriors, yeah, I think that there's a value in signing Oubre and, and thinking about what kind of salary you want. And this is a thing that happens in the front, office, front offices all the time, fifteen to eighteen million dollars feels right. With eighteen million being a little uncomfortable, but if Joe Lacob's willing to do it, then you do it, and then and then yeah, you can you can put James Wiseman in that sort of package if the player warrants it, or you can just throw in Eric Pascal or Kevon Looney or these other draft picks that you may get, or whoever you sign with the mid-level exception. Like you can throw all these, and you can build, but you usually need one. Like the most valuable contracts in the league from a trade perspective are those ten to fifteen million dollar contracts because you can really build stuff with those contracts. So, I think if the war fifteen million dollars to me would be the sweet spot because it's a lot of money to pay for a guy coming off the bench fifteen million dollars, right? But it is a sweet spot of a of of hey, it doesn't you're you're not that far away. Like you could throw in Kevon Looney and Eric Pascal and boom, you're at twenty three million dollars. Like that's a good player. You know, and, and that's without even throwing Wiseman in there. You put Wiseman in there, boom, you've got a max player, you know, at least the salary. So, um, yeah, I think $15 million is right where they want to go. And what do you think teams would rather want, like rebuilding teams who maybe are going to give up their all-star player, right, for our picks? And, you know, that's a true value, our Minnesota pick and et cetera, and Wiseman, for example. Do you think they would rather want Wiggins in that deal and obviously his contract, which – you know, is going to get more reasonable in two years? Or do you think they would rather want Ubre at around the 17, 18 million range? Like, what do you honestly, who do you honestly think teams would prefer to have in that situation? I think it just depends on the team and they're just their own internal scouting. I Look, I, I think with Wiggins, the contract is an issue, but he's a good player and he's consistent and he's a walking, you know, 16, 17 points a night, good defense. He's going to get you some rebounds. He can play make a little for you. Uh, and he's just a steady presence. And he's not hes not a locker room leader, but he's not a, hes not an issue in the locker room. Where with Kelly Oubre, I'm not saying he's an issue in the locker room, but his personality could not – it could, could wear on people, right? It could rub people the wrong way. Um, on the other hand, some people don't care about that. Some front offices don't care about that. Um, you know, the shot is much more erratic with Kelly Oubre than it is with Andrew Wiggins. Defensively, he's not as strong as Andrew Wiggins. But if it comes on a lesser salary, then a team might say, you know what, he's not as good as Andrew Wiggins, but he's getting paid $10 million less, so we'll go with this guy. Where the other team might have room on their books or might have an ownership group more willing to spend and say, let's just take the better player who cares about the salary. So I think it'll be a a case-by-case basis. But if you're the Warriors, if you have both of them, then it's not a problem. Right. If you're the Warriors and you have both Wiggins and Ubre, then you go to the other front office and say, "Which one do you want?" The front office takes their pick, and you say, "All right, great. This new guy, the, the whoever's left, is our starting small forward." 
That's a great thing. Yeah, I think Jake Jake said in the in the chat, uh, maybe that's why they didn't trade Kelly Oubre at the deadline. I think that's true. I think that's true. I think that there's an idea that if you retain Oubre, that you maintain some flexibility. Now, still, Oubre, it's risky. Oubre is an unrestricted free agent. He can walk away and say, the hell with your flexibility. I'm going to New York and I'm going to get paid $20 million. I'm going to start for the Knicks at small forward. He could just do that, and the Warriors have no control over him. Um, but, you know. I think the the hope would be that you can re-sign him and maintain some of that flexibility. Yeah, so this actually goes back to, uh, I think, our initial questions that we were asking, can the Warriors get to six seed and do they want to get yeah. there? Um, my question to you is, if we do get, you know, around six, seven, eight spot, right, we're almost guaranteed going to play either the Trailblazers or the Mavericks uh, in the playing tournament, almost guaranteed at that point in time, right? Um, who would you honestly think you would rather see um in that matchup and do you think the warriors have the are more than likely capable of beating both of them in a one both of them can get the smoke bro we're not afraid (laughs) of those (laughs) (laughs) um i would rank them i would rank them dallas would be least the the team that the warriors would least want to play followed by memphis and then san antonio memphis's size could be an issue for the warriors Jonas Valanciunas I mean, we, we, goes off. Like it seems like like those two games that we played against the Mavs, like we matched up well with them, like especially like when we use our small ball lineup. No, there's no, I, look, no doubt that with Steph playing the way he's playing, uh, the Warriors can beat any of those teams. I'm not like like you know, I'm not worried about any of those three teams as far as if I'm the Warriors or any anybody. I, like I don't think the Mavericks are all that impressive. Kristaps Porzingis seems to be regressing, not getting better there. Um, you know, Memphis seems to be getting stronger, if anything. You know, they're they're guys like Grayson Allen and Kyle Anderson, like those are legit players. Dylan Brooks, like those are legit players. Um, John Morant just went off for like 36 points. Like, you don't want anything to do with him. And he's, by the way, the kind of point guard that if you're the Warriors has given you problems. Um, to me, it would be Dallas and like I'm kind of talking myself into Memphis being the team that I would least want to play. Just the thing with the thing with Dallas is I still have Luca. Like, I know that they match up well and stuff, but like Luca's really, really good. And and as good as Steph is, like either one of Luca or Steph could end up being the best player on the floor in in those games, and that would and and if Dallas ends up playing at home, um, because they're right now with, in the seventh spot, um, and and it would take a lot for the Warriors to get home court over Dallas at this point, um, then you know that that's also a factor. But I'm not that worried about San Antonio. Oh, you're definitely not San Antonio. Um, all right. So this is the Warriors now. They're 29 and 29. They are a game behind Memphis for the eighth seed. They are two games behind Dallas for the seventh seed. And they're three and a half games back of Portland for the sixth seed. We'll see. We'll see if they can grab that sixth seed. Um, I'm going to make this a short one, guys. we got some work to do on a game day. Uh, thanks to everybody who jumped on. Yeah, b- uh, before you go, everybody, yeah. jump up, Wes. And one last thing, prediction uh, for the group. What does what does uh, Steph get tonight? Love it. Uh, playing Washington. Does he go for forty again, guys? Yeah, I think he's gonna go for forty again. I, I said sixty. Sixty. He's gonna go for sixty, bro. I say he's, what the, uh... he's gonna take it personally against Brad- Bradley Beal. Future teammate Bradley Beal, you mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> let's just remember. This, the the scoring title comes down to this game. Something interesting. I'm trying to find uh, if Steph there's a if there's a betting, uh, over on, uh, on the real though. Steph's legacy on the line for this game. Comes up. 
Yeah, I think Steph's legacy is on the line in this game, bro. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Make sure to join the Locker Room app and follow me at WC Goldberg to get notified when my rooms go live. Thanks for listening.